Welcome to Breaking Free. I'm Rania Kurdi, a transformational life coach, comedian, and mother of two. And you can join me weekly to hear some intimate self-reflections and conversations with inspirational friends and guests from all around the world, sharing what they needed to break free from in order to live a life of purpose. I'm thrilled to introduce you today to my guest, Simon Gilligan. Simon is a person who's been inspiring me for the last few years without him knowing it until we actually spoke and I found out a little bit more about Simon and realised he had an inspirational story that I wanted to share on Breaking Free. Hello, Simon. Hello, Rania. I know I mentioned in the introduction that you have been inspiring me um, secretly, without you knowing, for a few years now. But I didn't mention in what. So it's actually in working out and going to classes, going to the gym, being more active. And uh, I thought you must be an Olympian or, you know, you've played sports all your life because the amount of classes that I see you at and you've got such stamina that I haven't got. I was thinking, well, that's got to be the reason. I'd love to ask how old you are as well. I know your birthday's coming up soon and I've never actually asked you. I'll be uh, 76 at my next birthday next week. <laughs> 76, amazing. So, yeah, Simon, tell us a little bit about how you started getting into sports. Um, basically, it was because uh, I'd been had a few medical issues and <clears throat> basically the medical sector had decided there wasn't anything they could do for me. So I decided it was up to me to do, actually do something and try and sort it out myself. And I remember when I was in an airport, in, when I was 73, I had to have a suitcase and a briefcase and another handbag. And I had terrific trouble, and I used to use a stick at that time as well, and I had difficulty just managing to go up and down the stairs and things like that. And I thought, and at that time I weighed 78 kilos, and that was October 2018. And... Um, I thought, really, really, I should do something about it. This is awful. I'm going to be dead if I don't do something about it. So I started going to... Uh, I had done occasionally some aqua aerobics, but I hadn't really taken it particularly seriously. And they stopped doing it at the place I was going to. So then in Ely, the hive opened and went to visit them. But they, when they opened, they didn't do aqua aerobics. But they said they were going to introduce it, and they introduced it the following January. So I joined and started doing exercises there, and that was the beginning of my journey. You went to aqua aerobics today, and how many other classes, Simon? Yes, I did, yes. I also went to uh, Pilates and uh, social dance, and this evening I'm going to a yoga class as well. So you missed ballet? Uh, there was no ballet today, but I do go to ballet fit as well. <laughs> the ballet fits on a Friday. <laughs> oh, there's no ballet. <laughs> but uh, I don't think there's one class that you don't do, is there? Uh, well, I've, I've tried everything. I can say I've tried everything. But mm. there's some that I get on with better than others, some that I enjoy a bit yeah. more. And so you said that you were 70... Three. 73. Yeah, when I started. Uh, but how many kilos? 78 kilos. 78 kilos. And how many kilos are you now? 62. And I don't use a stick anymore. <laughs> no, you definitely don't. <laughs> to, to keep going to these classes, do you actually really, really enjoy them, that it's a hobby? Or is it 
merely for health? Well, I do enjoy them, but it is also for health. I'm afraid now <laughs> that if I were to stop, I'd just slip downhill again, and I don't want that to happen now, as I've got a new zest for life, you could say. <laughs> yes. And how easy was it for the weight to drop off? Because, I mean, you are slimmer than me, and I'm considered slim, and so that's that's pretty fast, I think, in two years. Uh, well, it just... It just comes off slowly. And <clears throat> one big... I, I'd been going to um, these aqua aerobic classes for about a year, but then lockdown started. And I, at that time, I was just considering maybe I should start some other sort of activities. But when lockdown started, it was a, it was marvellous, really, for me, because then the lady that did the uh, aqua classes decided to have Zoom classes. So every day she had a Zoom class for an hour or so. And I just went on to do that instead of aqua when the swimming pool was closed. And since I started doing exercise out of the pool, I started to lose weight more rapidly. Mm, so it's sort of one thing led to another for you. It did, yes, it did. And then, of course, when the lockdown went, you know, it went away, I started going to the gym regularly and I haven't stopped since, actually. And um, I've met your wife recently as well. She works out with you in most of the classes. Yes, she does. So have you encouraged her to start that? Well, <laughs> I think she told me that uh, I was a bit of an inspiration to her as well when she saw the change that had happened to me. But she's always been quite a small person, though. <laughs> and um, another coincidence was that when we did get talking, we discovered that we lived in Iran at the same time. Yes, yes. You know, my childhood was there for the first five years, from 73 to 78. So it's funny how paths cross. Yes, it, it is funny how paths cross, because I was there from 75 to 77. If you'd gone to a different school, my wife might have been your teacher, actually. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because she was a teacher at one of the international schools. Yes, the Parthian school, it was called. You lived in lots of Middle Eastern countries as well, or you've travelled to lots of Middle Eastern countries, and we found a few people in common. Yeah. Well, uh, I, when I was in Iran, I <clears throat> was working at a research centre at one of the universities in Tehran. But uh, after I left Tehran, I started to work for commercial companies, and then I was based in Cyprus for a number of years, travelling around the Middle East, selling and looking after instruments and training people how to use scientific laboratory equipment. And what surprised me most today was when we were talking about mics and recording the podcast, I discovered that you have a studio and you've been a sound engineer for the last 20 years. That's true, yes. But I've had, always had an interest in anything to do with technology and science. Mm. In fact, when I was a boy, I used to build crystal sets as well. <laughs> oh, wow. And so how did the sound engineering come, come about, changing career sort of 20 years ago? Well, basically, my son-in-law is a musician and uh, he, he liked to go to the studios, but it was quite expensive to hire time in the studios. So he thought, he thought it would be a good idea if I learned how to use computers to do recordings. So I did, and I recorded some of his songs with his friends. And since then, I've been recording various other little odds and ends. And did any of this sort of show up in your childhood? Were there signs that these were your interests and this might be the path that you were taking? Well, when I was a child, I... Father was in the Foreign Office, so we lived abroad when I was a child. So I was sort of used to living abroad, and I thought it was a good thing to live abroad for children. So when the opportunity came up for me to take my family abroad, then it seemed like an excellent idea to me. 
And what about sports? Were you ever into sports? Did you like sports as a child? No, not at all. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> and, in, and in fact, because of my various medical problems for the last 30 years or so, people have been saying, you really should do some exercise. You really should do some exercise. And in fact, when I was in Cyprus, I did run with an organisation called the Nixia Horrible Hash House Harriers, which ran every week. And what a name! Yes, <laughs> well, it's, quite it's, a mouthful. It, yes, well, it, it's regarded as a, a running club with a drinking problem. And it there was a, a for, there, it was for people that could run and people that really couldn't run. They were sort of walked slowly, and I was one of the people that walked slowly. But afterwards, we all had a good time and drank a lot of beer. <laughs> <laughs> But now you really seem to enjoy it, whereas I still struggle. I force myself to work out. Well, I think I've, I've, I've really discovered that I do like it, and I sort of regret I didn't do something more about it before. But no, there you are. That's You just live and learn, don't you? However old you are. <laughs> yes, yes. And what about the people that knew you before? Can they believe that this is the new Simon? I don't think so. I don't, really don't think so. No. <laughs> I can't even imagine you heavier. And how did it affect your life? Like, what are the differences? What what can you do now? What do you feel you're doing now that you were sort of limited and restricted before? Well, I, I'm I'm happy to go for walks as well now. I just feel much much healthier overall, actually. Because a, a couple of years ago, I thought I was I was on death's door, but uh, not now, not now yeah. at all. Yeah. And have you changed your eating habits, or is it simply? more exercise uh, I, I think I, I'm eating a healthier diet now as well I'm eating more vegetables and less meat and things mm. like that well Simon definitely I'm sure your inspiration to many not everybody maybe has expressed it but that you know there's me there's Leah and I'm sure there's many others secretly that are thinking wow if he can do it you know, I'm going to push a little bit harder. I'm going to come to <laughs> class tomorrow. And you're definitely um, lifting yeah. weights that are heavier than me. So I've got to push myself. <laughs> That's another thing. I know. I never imagined that they lifting weights at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you've got a bar with weights on. You're lifting the same weight as the gentleman with you in class, who I'm sure is maybe 20 years younger. Yeah, well... Um, I do that, and and also it was quite interesting. A few weeks ago, I was doing circuits with some other people, who I would call young, young people, younger than me certainly. <clears throat> and at the end, there was a some sort of competition for planks, and uh, much to my surprise and pleasure, I beat them all. And and even the instructor said, "You know, that was amazing, and such good form as well." That is incredible. And and there's nothing that you miss out, whether it's sit-up, push-ups, uh, jumping jacks. Uh, what are those horrible ones? Um, I can't think. Burpees. Burpees, that's it. Jumping jacks <laughs> are easy, but burpees. You know, whereas I'm like cutting corners, <laughs> you're doing it all. Well, there's a lot of people that would be amazed to know that I was doing that now. So are you in contact with people who knew you before and have seen you now? Uh, just my family, really. And some people knew me before, before my transformation, that's what I call it. Yes, your transformation. So in any case, it, it goes to prove that, you know, you can do anything, really, when you set your mind to it. Now, as I was trying to say before, my son has been encouraging me to go to do exercise for about 30 or 40 years and... Now, he said, he keeps saying to me, look, you see, you should have done it earlier. Look what the change it's had. 
The strange thing is, I don't know why as human beings, it's only when there's a risk, there's fear of illness that it pushes us to really take action a lot of the time. Yeah. And and that could actually be a good thing, a thing that saves yes, us that's true. Uh, saves us and transforms us because it does push us to live a better life and make better choices with our diet and all sorts of things. Yes, that's true. So Simon, yet another coincidence is that you were a performer and I understand that you had a theatre company in Cyprus. Yes, yes. I was, uh, for a few years, I was the... Um, the president of something called the Anglo-Cypriot Theatre. And we used to have four or five productions a year, including a pantomime every December. And, uh, I played many roles, and uh, it was all great fun and a great learning experience as well. So did you just get into performing in Cyprus or before that? Well, I always like to stand up and perform and give lectures about scientific topics, but uh, I like to actually do other things as well. So I really got into doing that in Cyprus, and I used to do some voiceover work, including voiceover for commercials for places like Lebanon and Jordan, actually, now come to think of it. Oh, so we might have heard you on some things. Do you remember what you did for Jordan or Lebanon? What products? Uh, yes. What Pert Plus. That was for the Gulf, I think. Pert Plus is what something like Head & Shoulders is called out there. <laughs> yeah, so I did... Pert Plus and did some chocolate adverts and things. <laughs> I did a Galaxy uh, chocolate advert. And, did you? Yeah, and the Nido milk adverts um, because uh -huh. I used to record while I was still at drama school. I did all the Arabic ones for the Gulf as well. Uh -huh. when well, I, was I did here. them in English, of course. <laughs> yeah, and you did the English. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness, there's so many similarities, like working in parallel. And did you yes. continue performing after leaving Cyprus? Um, not so much, but I did do some extra work and I was an extra in uh, a film of Macbeth starring uh, Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard and I was an archbishop and for many hours I was standing in the Lady Chapel in Ely Cathedral behind the two of them just waiting for things to happen. <laughs> How marvellous. <laughs> and what is life like as an extra? Sometimes I think it's better than being an actor, you know, because one, you don't have to learn the lines, so there's no stress. Yeah. Two, um, you know, you get to sometimes get to know the big stars. Yes. Um, at least, at least they say hello to you. <laughs> yes, yes. And so how was your experience? Well, it was very, very good actually and the food is very nice as well <laughs> and then at the end of the day they do they do give you some money at the end as well which is quite good <laughs> so do you do a lot of that are you signed up as an extra yeah. do they call you on you often uh i haven't done much recently no so you're a person of all trades really simon <laughs> yes and i've also been involved in a, a couple of local community films in this area where we I are see. now yeah there was uh, in littleport there were there were some littleport riots in 1860 and to commemorate 200 years of that there were various activists in the village including a film that was made by a local group called riot in the blood and uh, i was in that and then we also made a film about uh, the heavy horses that used to be used instead of tractors in this area and i was in i was a, some sort of horse whisper the horseman's word it was mm. called the horseman's word 
So I like that you have this attitude of why not? You just yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So have you always been like that, quite adventurous to try things out? I travelled overland to India in 1967. Oh, wow. <laughs> Tell me a bit about that. Well, I started out <clears throat> hitchhiking across Europe and Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and then in Amritsar, which, as you know, is the, the, the sort of the, the centre of the Sikh religion, I met my wife, who's, but she was also a traveller from Denmark, so Amritsar is very close to our hearts. And that's how you met. And where did you marry? In Denmark. And do you speak any languages other than English? I speak some Danish. I speak Persian, having lived in Iran. I picked up. So that was quite, quite good. And do you still remember it? Because I spoke it as a child but can't remember anymore. A few things I can remember, but Manda Tehran Baraya Dorsal Zendiki Kadam. That means I lived in Tehran for two years. <laughs> wow, so that's amazing that you speak so well for just two years. And a bit of French. In fact, it was quite funny because when, when we left, I was um, advertising various odds and ends that we were going to sell to, because we couldn't take it back. Yeah. And I advertised in a local paper and someone telephoned me and I was explaining to him where to come and he said to me, but I thought it was a foreigner selling stuff. And I said, no, I am a foreigner. <laughs> My goodness. Well, it's been lovely to find out more about you and, and I'm so pleased that you are willing to be on Breaking Free today so that other people hopefully can be inspired in the same way that I was. Yes, you should. everyone should break free from all their constraints, I think. Yeah. If you have an idea that you might be interested in something, try it and do it and just get on with it. There really is nothing to lose, is there? Once you've tried it, at least you know. And the only thing stopping you is yourself. Yeah. It's just ego or what other people might think or fear of failure. And all those things yes. really don't matter in comparison of living life fully and trying something out. You live life for the minute. You never know what's around the corner. Oh, thank you very much, Simon. It's lovely talking to you. It's a pleasure, Anya. And I'll see you in class. You will indeed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Breaking Free... Please share it with your friends or on your social media platforms. And of course, I'd really love it if you can subscribe, rate or review the show. You can reach me directly at raniakurdi.com if you would like to ask a question, comment on what you heard today or find out how I can support you on your journey.